Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. Now, you may notice the editing is going to be light today. I felt like it was appropriate. I'm in my basement recording on my phone. Uh, I am using a microphone that plugs into the phone, uh, a Shure mic that makes it pretty schmancy for a phone recording. Um, but I felt like, you know, the light editing, the, the intimate feel feels right for the state of things where if you're listening from the future, your past, you are in a state where you have passed the coronavirus because that is going to happen. And, uh, but for all of us, we're here in the middle of it. And there's a humbling thing as we've all been reduced to hermits. And I've been reduced to hundreds of episodes ago where I started this podcast over five years ago recording on my phone. And uh, there's some kind of full circle thing there that I'll try not to get too you know, poetically distracted by, but, um, but that's it. There's something there. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site, It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, AndyJPizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Okay, to get into the idea of this episode... I need to tell you uh, a story <laughs> that is really ridiculous. One of my ridiculous uh, things that I did. 
Uh, I've realized that almost all of my quote-unquote jokes are just me telling you about my life. <laughs> the butt of the joke is me. Um, <laughs> but I'm happy. I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy to, to, to provide the laughs for whatever reason. Um, okay, so this story starts back in last summer. My wife and I and my kids were on our way to go visit my Aunt Sandy. And while we were driving there, she called me and she said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot that my church, my Catholic church, is holding this memorial service for uh, all the congregants that had passed in the past year, including uh, your grandma, including grandma. Would you want to go to this thing? And first of all, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna call her a liar because she's a good person and also a very serious Catholic. But I do find it unusual how often Catholics and such forget about, oh, I forgot we had to go to church and you have no way out. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, I don't know, if, I'm not gonna judge the forgetting there, but. Uh, she said, you know, do you want to go to this memorial? We're going to let each family is going to release a butterfly in memory of the person who's passed. And would you be up for going to that? And I was like, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, that that's great. I would love to celebrate grandma. You know, we'd only lost her a few months before that. Uh, and so we changed the Google Maps and headed towards the park where it was going to happen. But I'll be honest with you, I had my doubts from the get-go because releasing a butterfly, although it sounds organic and natural, I instantly go to, why do they have these butterflies? How are they keeping these butterflies? How are we individually going to have butterflies as families to let go? Because I'm pretty sure that if you touch the wings, that if you try to hold back a butterfly, the essence gets on your fingers, the powder of the wings gets on your fingers and it actually damages the wings and kills their ability to do the one thing that a butterfly does, which is fly. It's in the name. Uh, so I was, <laughs> I was nervous about that, but I, you know, I, we were rolling with it and I set the GPS and we headed towards the park. When I got there, I dropped off my wife and kids at the little overhead shelter gazebo thing where all the other people were. And I went to park the car like a good Midwestern boy. And on my way, walking over to the gazebo, my Aunt Sandy gives me a little wave like, we're over here. And I'm like, I do a condescending wave like, yeah, I just dropped my wife and kids over there. I know where it is. And then right as I was lifting my hand, I got hit with a panic, cold sweat. <laughs> I don't know if like lifting my hand up made me notice the, the short sleeve, t-shirt sleeve. And I looked down at my t-shirt and it hit me that because I hadn't prepared, I didn't know we were going to this service. I hadn't got dressed <laughs> in preparation for this occasion. 
<laughs> and, uh, and then my condescending, yeah, I know where you are, blew up in my face because instantly I had to jump behind a bush <laughs> and start ripping off my clothes, just my t-shirt. Uh, I wasn't going, you know, uh, full on crazy at the Catholic service, but I, I got jumped behind the bush and ripped my shirt off. And I'm sure she's thinking, I just did the wave. We're over here. What is it? Does he think the memorial is behind that bush? Um, but I didn't. The problem is, you see, the t-shirt that I was wearing. Now, this there's no real problem with this t-shirt. In fact, this is my favorite t-shirt. You know, if we're talking Jerry Seinfeld, this is the golden boy. It's the first one that I put on out of the wash every single time because it's so me it's i didn't make it but it's it's so on brand it's i i freaking love this shirt but it's although i love it it's not appropriate for a memorial service and i want to tell you why first of all it's got a huge slice of pizza on (laughs) the front of this shirt and that's the least of its problems you see attached to the pizza holding the pizza is a skeleton hand that's also not, not the worst part. The skeleton hand is actually coming out from the ground and behind the skeleton hand is the kicker. It's a slab. It's a gravestone that reads, rest in pizza. <laughs> this is not the t-shirt you want to wear to a memorial where 25 families are paying their respects uh, to their recently passed family members. So I, <laughs> I just rip my shirt off, turn it inside out, flip it inside out. It's completely, uh, you, you know, obs- uh, obscured. And I walk over to the shelter and we get on with it. And while we're even sat there, I whisper to Sophie what happened. And she starts uh, giggling uh, and same goes for my Aunt Sandy. Um, (laughs) Crisis averted. And I, you know, I think everybody would agree. There's nothing wrong with that T-shirt. It's a perfectly innocent, silly T-shirt, but it's just inappropriate for that setting. And I think everybody agrees the right thing to do was to flip it inside out, no matter how authentic it may be to my true nature. But we get there and, we, and we re, we're going to release the butterfly. They actually, it's quite strange. They give us these little paper envelopes that are sealed. And they're like, the butterfly's in here. <laughs> I'm like, who makes this? Who, are the, who provides this service? This is insane. And... And I'm thinking also that the butterfly in there is is thinking to itself, man, what was all the hype about being a butterfly? Like you leave the cocoon and you straight up enter this other paper cocoon. Like the hype is really crap uh, about being a grown up butterfly. <laughs> and uh, we release the butterfly. It flies away. It's, I have complicated feelings about it, but it was kind of a beautiful thing to see that butterfly fly off. Um, and I like the symbolism of the butterfly as we're doing this. You know, as you know, we're doing this creative pepamorphosis series. 
So why am I telling you this stupid story about me wearing that dumb shirt? Well, because it reminded me of, or I was reminded of it recently when I had a kind of intense, profound experience that's had an impact on me personally and and creatively and, and holistically. And here's what happened. So I did some work about ADHD. If you don't know, maybe this is the first time, maybe there's new listeners listening to this episode. I have ADHD, in case you didn't know, in case you couldn't already notice. Uh, and, uh, and it's a big part of who I am, really. It's an inescapable truth about me, uh, unfortunately or fortunately. And recently I did some illustration work for a publication called uh, uh, the book that doesn't sit still stories that can't st- sit still so it's called um, and uh, and I, I did this illustration in a comic about being an ADHD person and creative and it's the book is really a celebration of ADHD it's a beautiful thing it's created by mostly ADHD illustrators uh, I love it it was an honor to be a part of it and so part of the publicity as they're trying to get the word out about this new publication is uh, entails me doing an interview, a Skype interview with this person. And on that call, I don't know what, I don't know exactly what happened, but I, I'll tell you what I think happened. So on this call, I just became the most full version of myself that I can remember being in recent memory, like the past couple years, I can't even remember fully embodying who I really am, like I did on this call. And I hung up the phone and I was so holistically integrated that I was almost euphoric. I think there was a self-acceptance in it I'm not even really sure, but I started thinking, why? Why did I tap into this deep, true self on this silly interview about some illustrations about ADHD? And I realized that it had something to do with the fact that I knew that the person interviewing me already knew about my weird, already knew about what was strange about me, expected me to go on tangents, and even more than that, to celebrate me going on tangents, to celebrate the weirdness that I'm gonna bring to the table. And so it felt like such a ridiculously safe place. It was the power, I felt firsthand, the power of a safe environment. And it rocked me because I thought, my goodness, I have, even forgotten what it feels like to be me. I've forgotten who I am, just like Simba from The Lion King. Simba, you have forgotten who you are. Um, that was me. I, I completely had forgotten who I was. And that was it was scary to know that for years I hadn't really fully tapped into that. And it made me stop and think about this stupid pizza t-shirt. And here's why. Because I started thinking, how does one forget who they are? Uh, 
I want to make a joke at myself for saying, how does one? That's how I think. How does one forget who ye are? Um, That's how I think in my head in Old English, King James Version thinking um, (laughs) for for Midwesterners who grew up in the Bible Belt. You might get that. You might like it. Okay. Anyway, I I started thinking about this and it reminded me of the pizza shirt flip incident of summer 2019. And the reason is because I started thinking about how, you know, when I was a kid and I started going to school and I would bring my full ADHD, silly, chaos muppet, maniac self, sloppy, goofy self to school and I would pick up on all kinds of subtle cues like being sent to the principal's office. No, I didn't get sent to the principal's office, but I did get a lot of reprimanding and settle down and all that kind of stuff. But I wanted to be a good boy and I didn't want to get in trouble. And luckily, I'm, I'm, I have such a, a type of neurodiversity in which I can pass as neurotypical on many occasions. For the most part, I can repress I can't repress all of the symptoms. Uh, you know, I'm still messy. I'm still a mess, and my handwriting's crazy and whatever. But, but I can, I can visually pass, and I can, I can willpower myself to repress my ADHD hyper energy. And so, when I came to school, it was just like that piece pizza T-shirt of, uh, oh. It's not appropriate. It doesn't matter how authentic this t-shirt is. It's just not an appropriate setting for that kind of behavior. And I'm going to flip it inside out. Just like the pizza t-shirt. And I think honestly, you know, I'm a huge believer in be your full self. But I think that we all know like there are times and places where you need to dial it back from 11 you know, uh, memorials, for instance, you're not going to be, I'm just being my full self, you know, be, you know, being a freaking maniac in that setting is disrespectful and it's appropriate and it's okay to flip yourself inside out a little bit in those settings. And school was one of those environments I, where I thought, okay, I need to flip this inside out a bit. And I was, I was happy to do it. And also, as I started growing up, I realized that there were other settings where this was true. But as I would go to school every day, I would kind of subconsciously flip myself inside out, you know, jump behind the metaphorical proverbial bush and flip my personality inside out so that it was appropriate for the setting even before I walked in. And eventually you do enough days of that. And when you're getting up in the morning, you just flip your t-shirt before you even put it on because it's just, you know, why wait? You're just making more work for yourself later. And what ended up happening though was, you know, I would, I wanted to be a good boy. I wanted to be appropriate. I wanted to not, you know, bring that full energy to inappropriate places. And so before I'd go to school, I would flip. And I realized like the dinner table, that's not an appropriate place to to bring that stuff. So I'd flip before I do that. And in bedtime, not an appropriate place, flip. Sunday school, flip. Eventually work, flip. Home, flip. 
coffee shop flip. And eventually you put that t-shirt on in the morning, flipped inside out before you even leave the house long enough. You just go ahead and start folding your t-shirts inside out and putting them in the drawer that way. And you do that long enough and at some point you're going to forget that t-shirts were meant to be worn right side out in the first place. And in that same way, you forget that yourself is really meant to be worn right side out in the first place. You do that long enough and you, you, you forget that who you are. And I think that this is what happened to me. So we're halfway through the episode. I should probably tell you (laughs) what this episode is about and why I'm telling you all this. Uh, And the reason is because I don't think, I think it's probably obvious to you, you know, being the creative, the artist that you are here to be requires you to embody your full, true self, to, to die to the persona, to die to everything that you were told you had to be, to die to everything you thought you had to be to be loved, and to embody your true uniqueness. Uh, you know, there's this there's this parallel to the hero's journey that you know I'm gonna like to make. You know, the hero's journey, whether even, you know, I just wanna mention whether you're creative or not. I deeply believe that in order for you to fulfill your birthright of being one of the lucky ones to to make it into this world against all odds in the universe, there's a code within your system that the whole freaking universe worked really hard to make sure it was completely unique because that diversity, whether it's neurodiversity or any type of diversity, it, it, the, the, it's not just the spice of life. It's the secret sauce of our species. It's why we, were, we are able to do what we can do. And so your job, the hero's journey, is about self-actualization. It's about individuation. It's about figuring out. It's cracking that code. Who am I? You know, there's this idea that, uh, you know, finding your value and what what you can uh, contribute to civilization and to the community, it really has something to do with this Venn diagram of, you know, this thing is essential and this thing is rare. So we desperately need this and we don't have a lot of this. If you can tap into that, everything else will be solved in terms of, finances and work and, and, and all of that good stuff and contribution. Um, so I 
am telling you this, and, and we're doing this series called Creative Pepamorphosis uh, against my wife's wishes. <laughs> she didn't like that title when I delivered it, but Creative Pepamorphosis, the idea we're doing a three-part series. This is the second part. Of course, the caterpillar goes into the chrysalis or the cocoon. So this is the cocoon chrysalis episode. And the, and the reason <clears throat> that I am talking about your true self is because I see a parallel between the cocoon and the hero's journey phase of the belly of the whale. So for me personally, nothing has had a more dramatic impact on my worldview and perspective uh, than the hero's journey. And the reason is the hero's journey, if you don't know, I know you, you're, if you're a regular listener, you've heard me talk about it infinite amount of times, but if you don't know, the hero's journey is a framework for, uh, for understanding myth throughout all cultures of all time developed by Joseph Campbell. And he just saw this pattern that every story or most of the stories that cultures tell follows this pattern, whether it's religion, myth, or, or, or just lore. There's a serious pattern to how that comes about. And nowadays, you know, people like Christopher Vogler have popularized this idea, developed it into screenwriting technique. And so most movies you see follow the hero's journey one way or another. It's actually just story structure at its core. And the reason why this concept changed my life was because the hero's journey isn't a thing that we developed that just works on us. It's something that we discovered from within us. I have a deep belief that our sense of who we are, the emergent phenomenon that is consciousness, your understanding of you are you and I'm me experiencing our own lives is just our internal hero's journey. It's the way that we understand life. We understand life and make meaning out of life through the lens of narrative. And so the hero's journey isn't just a great way to tell a story. It's a way of understanding your story. And so when you're feeling out of whack, when you're feeling meaningless, when you're feeling uncentered, if you go through the hero's journey, you can go through those phases. I recommend Christopher Vogler's 12-step, 12-phase uh, journey because it's a little simpler and easier to understand than Joseph Campbell's. And you just go through it and figure out where am I at in this journey. And you're going to go through a bunch of different journeys, so it's a cyclical thing. But find where are we at. And right now, it's pretty obvious to me that I'm in the belly of the whale. You're in the belly of the whale. And in fact, this amazing, horrible, terrible, awful, uh, marvelous, crazy thing is happening in the universe where the entire species is in the belly of the whale, interconnected like a nervous system of consciousness. We are, every single person on the planet has just stepped into the same story. And I don't minimize and I don't diminish the serious tragedy. I want you to know that most nights since we've been on lockdown, I have gone to bed in kind of a depressive more than melancholy state of, and sometimes hopeless. And the, the, I've read about the hospitals that are 
struggling right now and, and, and the loss and the grief and it's very real. That's the stakes of being alive and I don't like it. I don't support it. I'm not happy about that. I don't, you know, so I don't minimize any of this for, for a pithy thing, but the hero's journey and, and, and story and all that, it's not, it's not a nice to have for me. It's a do or die. It's one of the only ways that I can bring myself to say yes to life. And so I don't minimize all of the pain and all of the, the realness of what's going on, but I do want to recognize something hopeful in the midst of the darkness. The light that I find is for the first time, maybe ever, our species have aligned and synchronized in our story. We are all at once experiencing the belly of the whale. And to me, I know all of the amazing things that can happen in the hero's journey after the belly of the whale, after the chrysalis. You know what happens. And we talked about this last episode, Rob Bell, I believe is the teacher that I heard this from, this idea that, you know, when the caterpillar enters the cocoon, it doesn't just start to sprout wings. It actually melts into a puddle of caterpillar juice, primordial goo. And Joseph Campbell says, in the belly of the whale, when the hero is in the belly of the whale, it will appear as though they're dead. The same as the caterpillar. If you sliced open a cocoon, don't do it, that's evil. But if you did, you would see a pile, a puddle of caterpillar juices and it would be safe to assume the caterpillar is no more. Ain't nothing coming back from that. But yet we all know that that's not true. And the way that we're feeling right now as a species, it feels like it's not just, are we going to get through that? That's It's huge. Like, when is this going to end? Are we going to get to the other side? Those are huge questions. They're bugging me and, I, and they're overwhelming me. But I think there's a deeper, scarier question is, are we ever going to recover? Will things ever go back to normal? And I think we all know the answer to that is no. Things will not go back to normal. But I don't know if you were aware of what happened for the past four or five years. But I'm not sure we want to go back to normal. I'm not sure we want to go back to Caterpillar. And yes, this melting, there's no reversing it. But maybe there is rebirthing it. And that's what it is all about when it's the, the belly of the whale. And so here's what, when you find yourself in the belly of the whale, this is what it's about. This is what you can do to make this time productive. You can melt yourself down to the most basic parts because the belly of the whale is about figuring out what you've forgotten what you've repressed and what you've refused. It's a time of reflection. So Jonah and the whale, that's a classic belly of the whale uh, trope or, or idea. And Jonah had refused a call to adventure. 
is there something going on in your life? Is there a thread? Is there a theme? Is there a suspicion? Is there something in your creative journey that has called you that you have refused and said no to? Is there a big, for me personally, I feel like I've been called to a completely new journey, a completely new start of a life cycle. And because I'm a decade into my creative career, there's a part of me that says, no, thank you. No, no matter how interesting, no matter how authentic, no matter how desperately I may want this new path, there's a fear that comes along to saying yes to the start of a new thing, to being a beginner. You know, I was just listening to Brene Brown. She has a new podcast and, uh, FFT is what it's called. It's a, and it's a swear word. Um, <laughs> and you know, I try to keep this swear list for, for parents listening with tiny ears, parents who just have small ears and, and swear words are going to hurt their ears. No kids that don't need to hear all that, but FFTs, uh, effing first time. And it's just a phrase to remember when you're at the start of something, when you're at the beginning of something to give yourself some grace and, and to name it because you can get some power in the naming of a thing. And actually, that's a big theme. I'm just going to go on a little tangent right here. Naming of a thing. I listened to a podcast recently about the Tales of Earthsea, uh, which, you know, Studio Ghibli actually turned that into a, a, a movie, an anime movie, I believe it's called. Uh, and there's power in, in that and uh, their movie Spirited Away. I know I'm getting in the weeds. I'm losing some of you here, but where there's this theme of, if you know something's true name, that there's all this power in it. And this is kind of what Brené Brown's talking about is, if you can name it, oh, this is a first time thing. The, the studies, the, the, the data actually backs that it gives you uh, power. And so repressing a thing, holding a thing back, keeping a thing in the shadows, keeping it in the shadow self, is where it has the, in the darkness, it has the advantage over you. But if you'll bring it to light, all of a sudden you can put up a better fight. And so what are the things you're repressing? What are the things you are refusing? In Star Wars, I was reading about these tropes and there's a point where they fly the Millennium Falcon into a cave. It ends up being a huge giant worm. Uh, so it's in the belly of the worm. That's where Han Solo and Leia start to admit their feelings for each other. Repressed love. Are you repressing love? <laughs> That's not the wrong podcast. Maybe I'll start a Dr. Pizza love podcast. I won't. I can guarantee you that. In fact, I, you know, the words like repression, I feel like we instantly go to things like sexual orientation. And I'm not excluding that by any means. But I am saying as a culture, we are kind of hyper-focused on that because we have all these things happening uh, for, for the good of humanity. But I want you to move beyond. It's not as simple as that. It's not, a, it's not your whole existence isn't just that. And there's a lot of other things. There's a, you know, I'm talking about your whole personality. Yeah, things like disorders, things like neurodiversity, but all kinds of things, just anything about yourself that uh, that, that you're holding back good, bad, or indifferent, bring it to the light, naming it. There's all this power. And that's what we're here to do as we're in the belly of the whale together. It's a time of reflection to start untying and unzipping that stuff. And I have some basic fundamental tactics that you can do to help actually actively wrestle with this and, and make some progress on it. 
Okay, so there are four quick things that uh, I want to encourage you to start using in order to get out of this state of holding back and flipping yourself inside out. And so you can start pondering these things while you're in your corona cocoon and start working on identifying these places. And you might even be able to start tapping into them digitally, uh, you know, while we're going through it. So the first one is identify safe spaces and ideally celebration spaces. So safe spaces, that's, that's what I found in that phone call when I was doing this interview about ADHD. That wasn't just a safe space. That was a celebration space. It was a place where the type of person I am was encouraged and celebrated. And so, you know, the bad things, the good things, everything in between, I encourage you to find places where it's safe to name who you are all the way from, you know, being an alcoholic at a AA meeting where that's a safe place to say, this is who I am all the way to the other side of the spectrum of a celebration space. You know, for me, a memorial is not a great place to be full 11 all the way up ADHD, but it is when I'm on stage. That's why I love doing public speaking. And when we get, if we get, when we get to the other side of this cocoon, baby, I want to come to a town near you and give a talk because ADHD really works on a stage. Being weird as a spectacle for other people, love it. One of my favorite activities. And so find those celebration spaces. And you might say, okay, obviously, Andy, like, of course, we want to go to places where, uh, you know, where we're celebrated. Everybody wants to do this. Why would we forget to do that? But you'd be surprised how easy it is to eliminate and forget and cut out these things from your life. It's so easy to forget that your shirt goes right side out. You know, you're telling me, of course, Andy, how am I going to forget? I can see the tag is on the outside. Like, of course, it's so easy to rip out those tags, to cut off those tags seamlessly to the point where you just completely forget that they ever existed. We're going to get to that in a minute, but just making a list and figuring out where do I feel safest? Where do I feel celebrated? And make sure that you're prioritizing those experiences. Second one. So safe space is one. Two is take space. This is a practice that I've started to use. And, uh, and it's taking space is this idea of where are places where other people said, don't wear that t-shirt here. And they're actually the wrong ones. So for me, it's at the gym. I've started to do this thing. Uh, it's rejection exposure therapy. There's a Ted talk. I'll put it in the show notes about this guy who, who tried to get rejected, like think a hundred days in a row and just did these things because he had this deep fear of rejection that was irrational and it was ruling his life and he wanted to get through it. So he started to just do things where he knew he was going to get rejected. Things like my favorite of those was try to get a refill on his burger at a burger joint. 
just go up and be like, hey, can I get a refill on this? And hold up a burger, a, you know, a, a burger container, burger box. I don't know. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's like, I just wanted to see if I could get a refill. And they're like, we don't do that. And so just these minor rejections. And he, and there's this real, you know, if you ever go to therapy and, and it's for fear, anxiety, you'll find out that like exposure to your fear is one of the only ways to get to the other side of it. And so for me personally, I have started implementing these things while I'm running. So whether I'm on the bike trail or whether I'm at the gym and I'm jogging, if I feel like adding a little dance moves into my run or I feel like pumping my fist in the air or clapping a little bit, not too loud to scare other people at the gym, I just, I've committed myself to doing it because it feels so good and it's really, you know, them implementing like, we don't do that at the gym, no fist pumping, just a social norm that's really bogus. Who cares if I want to have a little fun? And it reminds me of Phoebe on Friends where uh, her and Rachel go out for a run and Phoebe runs like a freaking weird maniac and reckless abandon and Rachel's like, uh, what are you doing? You look like a freak and she doesn't want to run with her anymore and then Rachel eventually realizes that that's the only way to run, baby, and I I run like Rachel and Phoebe now. And it's this taking space. It's like, okay, I'm taking back that space where you told me that my self isn't welcome. My friend Meg Lewis is such an amazing example of this. And um, we did our first public speaking uh, experience the same conference and we both did some stuff that was way out of the norm for a design conference and when I saw her talk and she was giving out I think it was gift cards to Olive Garden I was just like man I rushed up to her right afterwards and was like you have got it I don't know what it is Missy but you've got it um, like old time show business but I did I told her I was like you're amazing I can't wait to see you are gonna just be everywhere after this because you're amazing and uh, and she takes spaces man and it encourages me to do the same thing and now we're big collaborators and friends and, and it's funny that it started there but <clears throat> back to the point take space, reclaim spaces. Yeah, there are places not to wear your pizza shirt. We all agree. But where are the places where you were told no pizza shirts allowed and it's time to be like, oh yeah, I'm wearing it. That's taking spaces. <laughs> uh, three is making spaces. So safe spaces, take spaces. Number three, make spaces. And I want you to potentially rethink what it means to be an artist. Like, I think being an artist is about self-expression, but I don't think it's about selfish expression. I think, you know, a few episodes ago, we talked about soul mirrors and how, you know, you're excavating yourself and getting to know who you are is as much about your own personal liberation as it is the liberation of everyone else that's just like you. You can give them shorthand for their identity, especially non-artists that don't have the time and energy and life to spend making creative work to excavate these questions of who they are. They don't have the tools. It's your job to do some of that work for them and this is what making space is all about. If you can change the way that you see art as this isolated hermetic, I think is the word, uh, thing where it's all about you in your little cave in the middle of nowhere, 
expressing yourself <laughs> sounds weird. Um, and seeing it more as a leadership role is that it's your job, it's my job to get on stage and name ADHD. Say my neuro uh, biology isn't like everybody else's and that's okay. In fact, it's fantastic. And if you're on the spectrum or if you're dyslexic or you're dyspraxic or you got dyscalculia, whatever it is, you're, you're synesthetic, you've got a weird brain, more power to you, baby. That's a huge part of my existence. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here as an artist to lead the way. And so how can I make my, my, uh, my tactic to you is make something this week that makes a safe space, makes a celebration space. It might be an Instagram post. And if it is, tag it CPT Remote Retreat. That's what this whole pepamorphosis thing is about. Uh, and, and hashtag make space. And create a space where you own something about yourself that you're celebrating and you're calling for the celebration of it. And it might be, it doesn't have to be all your followers. Sometimes when I do an ADHD post, it's just for the 10% of my followers that identify that way. But the quantity of likes is usually smaller, but the quality of comments is usually deeper. And if there's anything I know is that it's all about the depth of connection, not the width when it comes to building a thriving creative career. And so how can you make space the further you understand and own yourself and put it into your art, the more safe and more of a celebration space this world becomes for people like you. That's your job. You're here to tell us what a human can be that we didn't know it could be. And the fourth thing you got to do is make tags. Broke it up. So safe space, take space, make space, make tags. So we talked about it a minute ago. It's so easy to, uh, you know, cut out the tags so that we're wearing that t-shirt inside out. You don't even know it. You're wearing yourself out inside out and you've completely forgotten it because you cut out those reminders, those tags so long ago. You know, our world is made such that sometimes a t-shirt's tags are actually designed so that you can just rip them straight out. You know, I feel like our whole society are, is built on this industrial revolution, this idea that, uh, you know, everything's built around the average. It's all built around, you know, the things that we have most in common. That's what school's all about. It's, it's designed for the neurotypical, and, and I'm happy for the people that it works for, but I'm, you know, devastated for the people that it doesn't work for because it's designed around what are most humans good at? Let's maximize that. And then we can use them as cogs in a machine, in a sort of uh, Henry Ford kind of uh, removable, interchangeable parts where any human, we can take this human off the line and replace it with another human because we've maximized the average. And I think we're going into a time where we're realizing that's not our best. Our best is when we're diverse and we maximize our differences. And... Uh, and so we were built, we, were, we grew up, we all grew up in a world of removable tags. In fact, we grew up having our tags removed from our t-shirts. And so what I want you to do is what uh, probably 
you know, these people with the TLC shows that have 25 kids or whatever, what they do is they put the names in, they write into the shirt, they make their own tags of this is who this person is. So they remember whose shirt it is. And I want you to create your own tag so you remember who you are. So what are the things? I thought about writing, getting a fabric marker and writing ADHD where the tag is behind uh, on every one of my shirts so that as I'm putting it on, I'm remembering, embody this. You're meant to wear yourself right side out. And so you don't have to make actual tags. If you want to, hashtag that, hashtag them tags with remote CPT remote retreat so I can share it because that would be amazing. But you don't have to, it's just a thought experiment of who are you and just envision creating those tags so that you remember which way round this shirt goes. So you're an adult now and uh, the things that are holding you back, you know, the, they're, they're not external. They're not the real cocoon that was your awkward teenage years. You're beyond that. And if you're back in a cocoon, it's a man-made cocoon. And the, the, the essence, the butterfly wing dust, it's on your own fingers because it's you who's holding yourself back. You know, at the beginning of this episode, I said the butterfly that gets put back into this little envelope sat around thinking, what was all the hype about being a butterfly? This sucks. <laughs> Go from a cocoon to a more, probably uh, less comfortable cocoon. This is crap. And if you're an artist and you're still feeling repressed, you're still feeling inside out if you're still feeling unliberated and you're listening back through the history of artists of why we make art why it gives us a reason to live and you're like experiencing it as this man-made cocoon you're probably thinking this is what the hype was all about this freaking sucks but just like the butterfly, letting it fly, letting it be what it was meant to be, you gotta let that freak flag fly. <laughs> you gotta let your true self out. And there's an urgency, there's a time ticking. I know it doesn't feel like that as we're in this timeless space of the belly of the whale. But I can tell you, the longer you hold your wings back, <laughs> the more damage you're doing to them. And I encourage you to dig in deep, see what 
crack that DNA code. You know, the universe, either through divine will or evolution in just sheer brute force of billions of years, had to do a lot of freaking crap to make you as unique as you can be, as unique as you are. And to not live into that, to repress that, is to deny your creative birthright. And I know you all, we all feel like primordial caterpillar juice right now. But if you use this belly of the whale experience to find a rebirth and live into your true nature and truly let that fly out into the world. Caterpillars that are like you, people like you earlier on their journey, same kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species as you. When you let that freak flag fly, when you let your true nature start to soar, it will be an act that is a sign to those people, to those caterpillars, so that when they start falling apart, when things inevitably fall apart and break down, when things are at their worst, you will be a reminder to them that this puddle of caterpillar juice that they have become, that they find themselves in, it is not the end of the story. Okay, so that's really what has been on my heart. I hope that it, I hope that it brings some real light to uh, a potentially uh, an actually very uh, dark time and uh, and um, you know I am with you I am I want to I'm gonna have some live stream stuff happening I'm gonna be doing cancel con on April 4th and 5th I think I'm gonna be on the 5th uh, there's a, a, you should go check it out. Put in the show notes, creativepeptalk.com slash episodes slash 268. I think this episode is. And um, Cancel Con, going to be giving a talk on a live stream. Going to be doing more stuff like that, trying to connect and, and, and make us all feel lef, less alone. Uh, thanks for all the great, wonderful things you guys are doing creatively. It's just, you know, it's been one of the, I've loved how social media and tech, uh, you know, for the longest time, I feel like humans were becoming more techy. And through this corona cocoon, I feel like tech has become more human. And uh, I think that's going to last. We're going to, we're learning ways to connect in more honest, authentic ways. Uh, through this, through technology than we ever have. And it feels to me almost like an emergent phenomenon with our species of like, um, if all of us are individual cells and the internet is our veins and arteries, there's this real 
deeper connection that's happening. Um, it's kind of sci-fi and cool, but uh, maybe we'll all turn into a super beast and take over the universe, or maybe we'll turn into a super beast that's just full of divine love and caring. I hope it's the latter. Um, okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, that's it. I'll shut up now. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack, for the Creative Pep Talk soundtrack. And uh, thanks to all of you for listening. And until we speak again, stay pepped up.